Chapter Two of Campfire Tales of Jackson Hole by G. Brian Harry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mountain Men in Jackson Hole by Merlin K. Potts, former Chief Park Naturalist. Mountain Man. The very term has an aura of romance, and the Mountain Man of the fur trade era was a romantic character as he most frequently appears in the novels of the wild far west he also appears as an uncouth illiterate morally degenerate lazy lout addicted to prolonged debauchery often little better sometimes inferior to the savages with whom he frequently associated between this extreme and the fearless hardy resourceful wanderer of the lonely plains and mountain highlands lies the true measure of these men of the mountains some were as bad as they were painted many were as fine as history describes them they were the products of their time neither better nor worse than any cross-section of the men of any time they were none the less unique even among the pioneers of their day their chosen land was far beyond the outposts of the settlements their fellows were few they moved through the most remote sections of america often alone sometimes in the company of a handful of companions mountain men were the first to explore the far west beyond the missouri through the rockies across the great american desert from the southwest to canada and to the western sea they came not as explorers such intent probably never occurred to them their sole interest was in the quest for pelts, particularly the fine fur of the beaver. Beaver hats were the vogue during the period of the western fur trade, roughly 1800 to 1840. Until this headpiece was supplanted by the silk hat, the trappers followed the fur, their trails crossing and recrossing virtually every area where the beaver were to be taken. Some were independent trappers some were attached to various fur companies to the organizers of the trade the businessmen behind the enterprises fell the financial rewards the trappers except in rare instances barely made a living at their profession their rewards were many times an unmarked grave or a broken health a maimed and crippled body or if they survived to a ripe old age of perhaps sixty years memories of a lifetime of adventure multiplied many times beyond the normal conception there were indeed a breed of men apart it is in no way remarkable that their story is one of the most fascinating in our history bridger smith fitzpatrick carson meek sublet jackson these are among the famous names engraved upon the face of the land markers to the indomitable men who left behind these reminders of the days when the beaver was the king of the fur-bearers jackson's hole the great mountain-encircled valley lying at the east base of the teton range was at that excellent historian matz puts it so aptly the crossroads of the western fur trade trapper trails led into and out of the valley from all directions through the passes to the east 
Two Ocean, Taguati, and Union, along the Hoback River to the south, through Teton and Conant Passes, at either end of the Great Range to the west, and along the valley of the Snake and Lewis Rivers, northward into the Yellowstone country. From John Coulter's memorable track in 1807-08 through 1840, there was much activity throughout the region. With the decline of the fur trade, the valley became once again, and for many years thereafter, a place of solitude, unvisited, as far as history records, by white men. The name Jim Bridger is synonymous with mountain man. Few frontiersmen from the time of Daniel Boone have so captured the imagination or been so voluminously treated in Western lore. Bridger has been celebrated as the greatest of them all. His true exploits tremendous, his fancied feats fantastic. There were others who shared his fame. He was overshadowed by none, perhaps equaled by a very few. Bridger was born in Richmond, Virginia, on March 17, 1804, his birthday antedating by less than two months the departure of Lewis and Clark on that first great western exploration. The family emigrated a few years later to St. Louis, and Jim and his younger sister were left in the care of an aunt when their mother and father died in 1816 and 1817. By the time he was fourteen, young Jim was supporting himself and his sister by operating a flatboat ferry. Then he became an apprentice in the blacksmith's trade. This mundane life was not for him. There were too many exotic influences in the St. Louis of that time, which had a tremendous attraction for a teenage youngster. Indians on their ponies jogged along the streets. Mexican muleteers and colorful Spaniards off the Santa Fe Trail strolled through the town. There were boatmen, fur traders, and plainsmen with their tales of buffalo, Indian fights, Lisa, Coulter, Lewis, and Clark. What boy could resist the lure of adventure which beckoned so importunately just beyond the skyline? Jim could not. He did not. Little sister was growing up. Expenses were mounting, and there was a fortune to be made beyond the western horizon. In March 1822, just after Jim had passed his 18th birthday, the St. Louis, Missouri Republican carried the following notice. To enterprising young men, the subscriber wishes to engage 100 young men to ascend the Missouri River to its source there to be employed for one two or three years for particulars inquire of major andrew henry near the lead mines in the county of washington who will ascend with and command the party or of the subscriber near st louis signed william h ashley no mention was made as to the employment for one two or three years nor was it necessary what else but the quest for fur? Young Jim signed on, and a month later he was on his way to the promised land. One of the enterprising young men of Henry's company bound up the river by keelboat to become a trapper. He was in distinguished company among experienced frontiersmen. 
though many of the thirteen crew were raw recruits as green as jim himself there were sublet and fitzpatrick davy jackson and old hugh glass the latter to figure prominently in jim's introduction to the frontier the outfit lost their horses which had been travelling overland with a party under general ashley's command to the assiniboines however and as ashley returned to st louis the balance of the command forted up at the mouth of the yellowstone that fall this was fort union thus jim became a hivernaut he wintered in the mountains and was a greenhorn no longer when spring came he was a mountain man with the break-up of the ice that spring major henry promptly started on the spring hunt intending to combine trapping with trading with the indians the party was jumped by blackfeet at or near the great falls of the missouri and the indians drove them into retreat they made their way back to the fort losing four men killed and with several wounded bridger had his first taste of injun fightin it was not a palatable one in the meantime ashley had not arrived at the fort but some time after the return of henry's party jedediah smith also recruited by ashley in the spring of eighteen twenty two arrived with one companion and the most unwelcome news that the general's party had run into difficulty with the eric Haras, and was in dire need of reinforcements henry with about eighty of his men including bridger returned with smith to aid ashley arriving in time to achieve a doubtful and short-lived truce with the indians with the help of colonel leavenworth and a force of soldiers trappers and friendly sioux who had moved up from fort atkinson major henry and his men having received their supplies from ashley set out at once for the fort on the yellowstone intending to again proceed from there into the wilderness in search of furs shortly after the arakara fight occurred an incident that was to have a pronounced and lasting influence on young jim the aforementioned hugh glass was a hunter for the party an elderly tough pennsylvanian on the occasion which led to his claim to fame as a victim of one of the most tragic bear stories ever related he was ahead of the party on a hunt when he was attacked and mauled by a she-grizzly so severely was the old man mangled that his companions despaired of his life here was a knotty problem he could not be moved he could not be left alone yet the party wanted to get out of the hostile indian country and go about the business of collecting furs as speedily as possible major henry decided that two men must remain with old hugh until he died no one wanted to stay but the major proposed that every man contribute a dollar as an inducement to those left behind with the old man the men were more than willing to subscribe to the arrangement jim volunteered to stay and another fitzgerald by name reluctantly consented to remain also so it was determined and the major and the rest of the party moved on old hugh clung tenaciously to life while jim and fitzgerald sat and fretted constantly in fear of discovery and attack by the hostile ericaras fitzgerald found indian sign on the third day as far as he was concerned 
that clinched it they couldn't do the old man any good he was certain to go under anyway in the meantime they were in terrible danger he finally persuaded jim to leave the dying oldster taking with them glasses rifle powder knife all his fixins because it wouldn't be reasonable to show up without them they wouldn't leave the things with a dead man and their story to the major would have to be that glass had died the old fellow was barely conscious and they slipped away catching up to the rest of the party just before it reached the fort on the yellowstone jim was worried memories of the old man haunted him suppose he hadn't died imagine his dismay when a few weeks later glass appeared in the trapper's camp jim expected death at the hands of the hunter he probably felt that he deserved it but glass seemed to be more interested in the whereabouts of fitzgerald placing the blame on him glass had an incredible story to tell realizing that he had been deserted he determined to save himself and crawling hobbling barely able to move at all he started for fort kiowa nearly a hundred miles away he made it and as soon as possible thereafter he started up river again to locate henry's party he wanted fitz when he learned that fitzgerald had left the major and gone down river to fort atkinson glass went after him with the avowed intention of revenge he found him but found also that he had joined the army the commanding officer at fort atkinson heard his story persuaded him that shooting a soldier would be a serious matter compelled fitzgerald to make good the old man's losses and thus the matter was ended perhaps not to the complete satisfaction of the justly irate old hunter but at least without bloodshed jim never forgot the rest of his life the lesson remained with him and his record of service to others devotion to duty rather than self-interest is sufficient evidence that the lesson was well learned bridger's exploits in the years that followed were legion in eighteen twenty four he explored the bear river discovering the great salt lake which at that time he believed to be an arm of the pacific he advanced from a trapper in the employ of others to a partnership in the rocky mountain fur company with fitzpatrick milton sublet frabe and gravis when in eighteen thirty they brought out the company of jedediah smith david jackson and bill sublet he is best known for his services as a guide as his knowledge of the rockies increased with his years of wandering over the west he repeatedly served as a scout for the army in which capacity he was invaluable his knowledge of indians and their ways was second to none he guided many notable expeditions one of them the reynolds party into jackson hole it was said of him that he could brush clear a path of earth and inscribe thereon with a twig an accurate and detailed map of any section of the northern rockies depending only upon a photographic memory of the terrain bridger visited jackson hole for the first time in eighteen twenty five with thomas fitzpatrick and thirty trappers following jedediah smith's route of the previous year that is by way of the hoback river from the south they passed through the hole going north along the snake river into the yellowstone 
this was probably the first trapping venture with jackson hole as a center of operations matt says in jackson hole crossroads of the fur trade eighteen o seven to eighteen forty this was a notable occasion for the full glory of the tetons was then revealed for the first time to those two young fur trappers who were destined in later years to become famous as guides for the government explorers and the emigrant trains and as scouts for the indian fighting armies bridger's trails and those of many others crossed and recrossed the valley at the foot of the tetons many times in the ensuing several years as they moved to and from the rendezvous sites on bear river the green pierre's hole and the wind through this period the whole justified its designation as the crossroads traffic was heavy and upon at least one occasion following the pierre's hole rendezvous of eighteen thirty two two men not with bridger were killed by the blackfeet near the mouth of the hoback these men did not for a time attain even the unmarked grave reward their bones were discovered and buried the following august by men of the american fur company bridger's fame as a rocky mountain guide was well established by eighteen fifty nine when he was employed by captain w f reynolds of the corps of engineers of the u s army to assist his expedition in the exploration of the yellowstone and all its tributaries the reynolds expedition left st louis on may twenty eighth eighteen fifty nine and included about fifteen scientific men one of whom was the later renowned ferdinand v hayden the expedition wintered on the platte near the present site of glenrock wyoming during the several months that reynolds and his men were idling away the winter bridger's stories of the yellowstone aroused in reynolds an intense desire to see these wonders for himself and he determined to do so the old guide and his leader were both to suffer keen disappointment the party left the winter camp on may sixth eighteen sixty and headed for the wind river country eventually reaching union pass so named by captain reynolds because he thought it was near the geographic center of the continent on may thirty first bridger and the captain reconnoitred to the north but found the route discovered by bridger in previous years to ocean pass blocked by snow too deep to negotiate they were thus forced to their profound regret to continue on down the gross venter entering jackson hole on june eleventh so reynolds was unable to verify bridger's tales of the wonders of the yellowstone marvels that jim was as anxious for him to see as the captain was to see them the snake river was a raging torrent but a boat was contrived of blankets and a lodgekin of bridgers stretch over a framework of poles the animals were persuaded to swim the river and the party eventually managed the crossing one man was drowned however while trying to find a ford reynolds and his men left jackson hole by way of Teton Pass, and proceeded north through Pierre's Hole. Although Bridger was engaged as a guide for many subsequent explorations, including a survey of a more direct stage and freight route between Denver and Salt Lake City, he did not come again to Jackson Hole. 
he made his last scout for the army in 1868. Bridger's name appears on landmarks and features throughout the Rockies. In Wyoming, there is Bridger's Pass across the Continental Divide, a short distance southwest of Rawlins. Fort Bridger, a small town on U.S. Highway 30, near the site of the fort established by Bridger in 1843. The Bridger National Forest and Bridger Lake near the southeastern corner of Yellowstone National Park, to name only a few. Bridger's home was in the mountains he loved. He bought property near Kansas City, a small farm and a home in Westport, where various members of his family lived, but Jim spent little time there until his declining years. He had a large family, was survived by four children from his Indian wives. Jim didn't believe in the practice of plural marriage, as many of the mountain men did. He was married three times, successively to women of the Flathead, Oot, and Snake tribes. His third wife died in 1858. He was a good family man. His children were sent to school in the East, except for one daughter, Mary Ann, who was placed in the Whitman Mission School at Wailatpoo, Oregon, and who died tragically in the Whitman Massacre of eighteen forty seven jim bridger's yarns of the west have long been famous he could supply facts when facts were needed but he loved to embroider his facts into fanciful tales for the edification and delight of the greenhorns to some extent because his facts were sometimes doubted one of his greatest stories concerned the petrified forest of the yellowstone according to jim not only the trees were petrified, but they were petrified birds a-settin', on the petrified limbs a-singin', petrified songs. One time, he was riding through this section when he came to a sheer precipice. He was upon it so suddenly that he was unable to check his horse, which walked off the cliff into space, and proceeded on its way, because even gravity had petrified. Jim died on July 17, 1881. His last years were not pleasant. He had a goat from which he suffered. Rheumatic miseries plagued him, and his sight failed. By 1875, he was totally blind. As his old eyes grew dim, he longed for his mountains. He said a man could see so much farther in that country. His old friend, General Grenville M. Dodge, had erected above his grave in Mount Washington Cemetery in Kansas City a memorial which bears the inscription, 1804, James Bridger, 1881, celebrated as a hunter, trapper, fur trader, and guide, discovered Great Salt Lake, 1824, the South Pass, 1827, visited Yellowstone Lake and Geysers, 1830, founded Fort Bridger, 1843, opened overland route by Bridger's Pass to Great Salt Lake, was a guide for the U.S. exploring expeditions, Albert Sidney Johnson's Army in 1857, and G.M. Dodge and U.P. Surveys and Indian Campaigns, 1865-66. Jedediah Strong Smith, a contemporary of Bridger's, was another of General Ashley's enterprising young men, who came west with the general 
and Major Henry in 1822. He was one of the rawest of the Greenhands, yet was one of the first to attain stature. He was older than Bridger by five years, head of an Ashley party at the end of one year on the frontier, in two years a partner with the general, and in three the senior partner of the fur trading company of Smith, Sublet, and Jackson. To say that Smith was second only to Bridger in his prominence as a mountain man, to attempt to place any of the leaders among the trappers in any order of rank or importance, would be like trying to rate the military commanders of history. Each in his own rugged, individualistic way moved towards his own destiny. Many would have risen to even greater fame than they achieved had they not met with misfortune early in their careers. So, we may assume it might have been with smith he was already a famous figure in the west at the time of his untimely death in eighteen thirty one he was an unusual type of man to be a frontiersman most would have said it was unlikely that he would last long or rise to any prominence in the rough brawling blood-and-thunder ways of the west of that day he did not smoke or chew tobacco was never profane and rarely drank any spiritous liquor he was a profoundly religious man always carried his bible with him and allowed nothing to shake or alter his religious beliefs for his day he was also a well-educated man and one of the few who kept a journal in which he recorded in some detail his experiences for all this divergence from the usual ways of his fellows he was respected and admired accepted by the other trappers affectionately known as old jed or dia and even upon occasion referred to as mr smith he was the first of the trapping fraternity to reach california overland from the rockies the first to cross the sierras and the first to reach oregon by way of the west coast when henry had established his fort at the confluence of the yellowstone and the missouri in eighteen twenty two Smith was sent back to St. Louis to advise General Ashley of the needs of Henry and his men for the following year. Smith then accompanied Ashley West in the spring of 1823, and, as mentioned previously, was sent ahead to enlist Henry's aid when Ashley ran into trouble with the Eric Harris. He again returned with the general to St. Louis, and in February 1824, Ashley sent him out again with a party which traveled overland by pack train on this occasion smith and his party made the first crossing east to west of the famous south pass at the head of the sweetwater river the pass which was to become the crossing of the great divide on the oregon trail this pass had been used by the historians traveling in the opposite direction in eighteen twelve general dodge's memorial crediting discovery of the pass to bridger in eighteen twenty seven was thus an error although various routes were being discovered and rediscovered at intervals by individuals who had no knowledge that others had preceded them a new era in fur trade history was opened when smith's party found the rich beaver fields at the head of green river as smith and his contingent moved north from the green they entered jackson hole by way of the hoback passed through the valley and crossed north of the tetons by way of the conant pass into pierre's hole the teton basin thus smith proceeded bridger into jackson hole by a year 
although smith became possibly the greatest of the trapper explorers at least with relation to the wide territory covered in the course of his journeys he did not return to jackson hole he was killed by comanches only seven years later on the santa fe trail crossing desert country with a wagon train smith was scouting ahead for water when he was slain his remains were never found the story of his death came to light when mexican traders who dealt with the comanches brought his pistols and rifle to santa fe william bill sublet and david e jackson became smith's partners in the fur trade when they bought ashley's interest in the business at the rendezvous near the great salt lake in eighteen twenty six both of these men had been among those who made up ashley's eighteen twenty two expedition sublet at that time was twenty-four years of age a kentuckian whose family moved to missouri in eighteen seventeen jackson has remained throughout the years an enigma practically nothing is known of him before his advent into the fur trade or following his activity as a mountain man sublet was the entrepreneur of the trio it was bill who handled the outfitting the business contracts the transportation of trade goods and furs that the partnership was successful is indicated by their disposal of their interest to bridger and his partners in eighteen thirty for an overall sum involving some sixteen thousand dollars sublet and his partners were shrewd enough to anticipate the gradual dissolution of the fur trade which influenced their desire to get out of the business it was sublet's wagon caravan from st louis to the popoagi and return in eighteen thirty that proved the overland trail could be used by wheeled vehicles this was the caravan that pioneered the immigrants route to oregon sublet later returned to the west as a trader in partnership with robert campbell and built fort william later fort laramie in eighteen thirty four sublet and jackson first entered jackson hole in eighteen twenty six after the rendezvous of that year near the great salt lake they crossed the lower end of the valley on their way to green river while their new partner smith was headed with another contingent of trappers southwest across the desert toward california the system of trading at annual summer rendezvous several of which have been previously mentioned was inaugurated by ashley in eighteen twenty five the rendezvous site of that year was on henry's fork of the green river by such a method more flexible than the previously used fixed fort system the trappers assembled at a previously determined place conveniently located for the widely separated trapper bands the trader brought his goods to the site where furs were exchanged for the trade goods it was a time of celebration frolic and general carousal for all concerned the rendezvous site can be likened to the hub of a wheel the trails followed by the trappers as they came in from the spring hunt and departed for the fall hunt were the spokes thus rendezvous sites were on the green wind popoagi rivers at the bear and great salt lakes in pierre's hole and finally at fort bonneville jackson hole was never a rendezvous site because of the difficulty of access for the traders over the high mountain passes surrounding the valley there is no positive evidence of trapping activity in the valley in eighteen twenty seven twenty eight 
although it is quite probable that the whole received its share of attention in eighteen twenty nine however sublet and jackson joined forces again in jackson hole where by previous arrangement they were to meet dyah smith did not appear and the partners were greatly concerned by his absence tradition has it that sublet named jackson's hole and jackson's lake in honor of his associate while they were encamped on the shore of the lake waiting for smith smith was eventually located in pierre's hole by one of the sublet jackson party joe meek and the partners were finally reunited there jackson and sublet moving over via teton pass throughout the period eighteen eleven to forty nearly every mountain man prominently connected with the fur trade visited jackson hole it was an area greatly favored by jackson which undoubtedly accounts for sublet's most appropriate name following coulter's discovery of the valley it was traversed in eighteen eleven by three employees of the st louis missouri fur company john hoback edward robinson and jacob resner these three en route to st louis in the spring encountered the astorian expedition john jacob astor's overland party of the american fur company and agreed to guide the party commanded by wilson price hunt over a part of the westward route this group entered jackson hole that fall by the way of the hoback river then went west over teton pass robert stewart brought a returning band of astorians back in the fall of eighteen twelve following the same general way and discovering the south pass as they moved eastward beyond the green british interests took the initiative in the exploration of the fur country following the war of eighteen twelve and a general and temporary decline of american interest in eighteen nineteen donald mackenzie of the northwest company brought a large party through jackson hole and on north into yellowstone the americans again entered in the picture with smith's previously mentioned venture of eighteen twenty four and from that time forward the list of jackson hole visitors reads like a who's who of the western fur trade there were james beckworth with sublet all the bridgers partners fitzpatrick milton sublet frabe and jervis nathan wyeth captain benjamin l e bonneville and probably on one occasion the redoubtable kit carson the era of the mountain man was brief it is doubtful that the trapper traders and fur company men realized the significance of their exploits in the expansion westward of a new nation yet without their activities the exploration of the western lands might have been long delayed and the claim of the united states to the pacific northwest much less secure end of chapter two